It's just about testicles. <laughs> it's a- always one way or another about testicles. That's pretty reliable standard. Iron Brains, a podcast that would like to remind everyone of something very obvious and true that seems to have been forgotten at some point in the last year and a half or so. The obvious and true thing is this. The trumpeting was and continues to be primarily about one thing, the fundamental moral imperative that whatever I might be, you ain't no better than me. This is the foundational nihilistic reduction at the core of the trumpeting. You ain't no that all of us, no matter what airs we might put on, no matter what higher purpose or ethics we might pretend to, all of us are just crabs in a bucket, snipping and snapping at any individual who dares to pull himself out of the rabble, dooming us all to our collective and justly deserved fate. The reason that charges of hypocrisy don't stick to Trump, or to anyone who takes him as their champion, is because there is bottomless tolerance for anyone who is shown to be a fraud, but sticks with the Trump plan, and perfect, incessant ridicule for those that pretend to be better. Donald Trump came to power and remains influential by getting on stage with a bunch of politicians and media figures, taking a gigantic dump, rubbing it under their noses, and laughing in their faces when they acted offended when they recoiled in horror, when they appeared to insist that their shit didn't stink. He did this to John McCain and Megyn Kelly and Jeb Bush and Ted Cruz and Hillary Clinton and everyone else. The fraudulence, the hypocrisy, the revelation of character defect. Trump's promise is that these things are inherent to all of us, that aspiring to something beyond is bullshit, that salvation is impossible. I bring this up again because of last week's Republican Senate primary in Ohio, in which J.D. Vance secured the GOP nomination and will, therefore, likely become a United States senator early next year. J.D. Vance was calling Donald Trump America's Hitler in 2016, transformed himself into the Trumpiest candidate in the race, received Trump's endorsement, and won. The media has presented this as a story about Trump's ongoing power within the Republican Party and has almost marveled at Trump's magnanimity, expressing wonderment at his capacity for forgiveness. J.D. Vance's turnabout proves the thesis. He doesn't need to be forgiven. He's a perfect Trump specimen. Of course he's welcome inside the Trumpening. Vance was full of shit then and he's full of shit now. And that doesn't matter even a little bit, because he gets up there with his big face all smeared in shit, points at all of mainstream or establishment America, and says, what? You think your shit don't stink too? Come here, Tim Ryan, and anybody else with a so-called conscience. Get down in the bucket with me for a while. See if any of us makes it out clean. I know you like to think your shit don't stink, but lean a little bit closer, see. My name is Bob, sitting across the way from my good friend and co-host, that's Abe. How we doing tonight, Abe? Doing well, Bob. Yeah, here we are. Lori's here too, how you doing, Lori? I'm fine. Lori's fine. Tonight is Monday, 
May 9th, 2022. Back to our regularly scheduled podcasts. No need for an emergency podcast at any point in the last <laughs> By the way, five or six days. Bob, did you say magnanimity or magnanimity? Because I could... Oh, uh-huh. oh, oh! Is there a podcast named Magnanimity? <laughs> might have to, might have to go back and drop that in myself, and then edit you out making that. No, pun. there's not. There's the, not. Because this uh, Trump Abe's I mean, exploitation magnanimity <laughs> solved. All Trump wants is for someone to eventually, and especially someone like a Vance who tried to play it straight because he was supposed to be like the spokesperson for this, the, the, the type of voter that gravitates towards Trump. But, but he was still invited to these stupid Washington, D.C. circles, right, when he wrote his book and it made it to a shitty movie. Uh, but then he, he turned, and now he's kissing ass to Trump, which all Trump wants. Like he bent the knee to Trump. So he'll accept you in. If whatever you said in the past is fine. Like he almost kind of wants it that way. Like, oh, you try to do it the honorable way, quote unquote, and now you still have to kiss my right. ass. Right. This is his pre- this is his right. preference. And yeah. this idea, and I'm I'm not straw manning here. I right. maybe I'll I'll see if I can pull a clip, but I because I don't have one handy now. But like two or three or four times in the last week I've heard this Trump's capacity for forgiveness and like the, the the suggestion and not not from like the Fox News types yeah but yeah. from like NPR CBS right. saying like you know Trump was willing to bury the hatchet or Trump was Trump was willing to you know bring JD Vance into the fold despite the very terrible things that JD Vance said about it like what do you mean despite right. the whole point is that the worse that he was before the greater the value is on his supplication now Right. right. The 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 more that he's willing to debase him, the the, the higher he stuck himself on a pedestal from Trump before. The distance between that and where he is now is all that matters to Trump. Right. And this this idea that somehow this is about Trump burying the hatchet or or closing up old wounds and being willing to move forward, like for the betterment of what exactly is right. the is the underlying <laughs> thesis there. Right, and 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 that go that extends to all of these stories that have been coming out over the past few years, where in private, top officials in the Republican Party say negative things about him, but in public they are kissing his ass. He would welcome that also because it's like I'm so powerful that the only place they can be honest. That's is- right. This was also in my, this was also in my mind because of the the Kevin McCarthy thing. Because every time that yeah. a new Kevin McCarthy tape comes out, everybody was like, "Oh, this will be the yeah. one. We right. got him, everybody. Right. We got we got McCarthy. Caught him in his hypocrisy." It's like, no, you don't. Un- you really? How is it that you still fundamentally don't understand that the the more that he is, the more that they are offended by him in one moment, and then and then take the knee and then kiss the ring afterwards. That's all that matters. That's what Trump cares about. Right, because all of those audio clips, and then two weeks later, he's being photographed at Mar-a-Lago just talking Trump up. That You know, it's like, that's power. Like, I can make you come to me, and I could be the kingmaker, and it doesn't matter what you really believe, uh, I'm still the guy. Right. I think we've done a pretty good job over the last year and a half or so of largely not talking about Donald Trump in large part because there's not anything new to say and it's just not terribly interesting. And anytime one of these, like, so Mark Asper's book is coming out. So he's made the rounds a bunch in the last week. 
and you get a you get another Washington Post story with an excerpt from his book and you get the New York Times excerpt and you get the maybe the LA Times like everybody's got an excerpt of the book and yeah everybody's got he's Esper's got some good anecdotes there's some funny and interesting stuff in there but it's largely about laundering Esper's own reputation and and like Bill Barr's book was the same way right. it was just a long reputation laundering by the guy himself and like yeah fine it feels good to to be the adult in the room or at least claim to be the adult in the room but i mean but whatever esper and it seems to be a lot of these guys who are writing these books um their argument is the same that had i stood up and been shit canned or been kicked out then he would have gone somebody like worse and things would have been worse. Like he actually, uh, Esper did like a whole interview with 60 Minutes. They spent 15 minutes just talking about that. And he would kind of explain how he would want to bomb Mexican cartels and blame it on somebody else. So who knows? Maybe it'll right. work. And I understand. I identify with Esper's fear that like if if I'm not here to be like, uh, we'll look into that, Mr. President. And yeah. secretly like, you know, you're rolling your eyes at Bill Barr on the other side of the table. Like you would worry that there's going to be somebody next in line or down the line somewhere who's a yes man. There was a big piece in the Washington Post today that outlines Mark Meadows' behavior from about December 20th or so until January 6th or so. And it it tries to put together with all of the available text messages that we've that have been uh, released from him, from him during that time. And and there was some of that in there, too, not with Mark Meadows, but with the attorney general. So Bill Barr offers his resignation to the president uh, largely because he's not willing to go in front of the cameras and say, you know, this was a stolen election right. and we're going to do everything in our power to fight it. And so the next guy, uh, what's his name, is Rosen, I believe, becomes the acting attorney general after that. And he similarly sort of holds the line and says – all of this stuff is bullshit, Mr. President. It keeps we, – everything we look into uh, that Mark Meadows keeps bringing me and Giuliani brings to Meadows and then Meadows puts it in front of me. It's all nonsense and there's right. no, nothing here that we can prove. Apparently, the idea was that whoever was going to be next in line after Rosen either was removed or resigned was going to be someone who was willing to say that the election was stolen and then do – whatever series of nonsense things that the Justice Department could do uh, to try to forward that narrative. I don't know. I don't know what to take away from this idea that, like, I had to stay in the room in order to make sure that nothing bad really happened. Right. Uh, I'm inclined to believe them, and they're they're probably honest in that assessment, but half of these guys were the next guy, right? Like, Esper wasn't the first, like, Somebody else got fired, and now you're the next guy, and you still kind of were like aghast at some of the stuff. So I'm sure somebody after you would similarly like, you want me to shoot the protesters? Like, okay, that's a good idea. Right. And in part, Esper got the job because as the the next guy in line, he was previously probably much more willing to be – uh, to to be a yes man to Trump. Now, of course, when you don't have any power, when you're just striving for the next ring, then then maybe you're less worried about the the ultimate final outcome. But right. But I, I suspect that a lot of these people 
they must have thought, okay, oh, I'm willing to do the the hard and dirty stuff, but their mindset is like so different than what Trump wanted, right? So they're like, oh, I can be a little, uh, we can use forceful language, sure, and we can, you know, saber rattle, but not like shoot protesters or bomb right. a facility. Like that is like outside of probably their calculation. Like, are you out of your fucking mind? You want me to do what? And it's right. interesting how, at least in the 60 minutes segment, and this has been a recurring point, but Trump seems to always avoid giving direct orders. He kind of floats ideas. Basically, he just kind of wants the ownership to be like the person. So that way, if something is potentially illegal, it'll be on them. He could just say, well, ah, the D- Defense Department did that or this person did that. Because so, it was interesting. Or even, not even if it turns out to be illegal, but if it just wasn't the right call. Right, right. To like, say, just, ah, yeah. that's, you could try that. You could try that. Right, because a lot of times, you, you know, you're thinking that. that's a good idea that you had just there. Right, <laughs> and then if it works, obviously it was his idea. But like, yeah, because you would think like, how come this there hasn't been like a like he's never said I want you to do A, B, and C, and then someone said I'm not going to do that and live to tell about it. So he's always just like, maybe we could do this, or why, why don't we do that? So he, everything no, he is said, phrased. Find that way. the exact right amount of votes in Georgia. Right. Find yeah. Them. Yeah. So he never just says exactly. So he's very like aware of like worded in such a way where there's wiggle room to say, oh, I didn't mean it like that. Right. Well, this that that is something that I, I mean, not I uniquely, but that I identified in Trump a long time ago and wrote about, which is that it's that willingness that for for all of his alleged bona fides as an anti PC, anti politically correct, anti woke, whatever warrior. He is among the most like stridently politically correct people to ever come to national prominence. He right. almost never just says the fucking thing. Right. It's always an illusion. It's always a little underhanded. It's always uh, plausibly deniable. And then, and then the idea that you would even get offended by the thing that he said, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Because he didn't actually say the right. thing. And it's, it's just this very like campy – like. I shouldn't call it effeminate uh, because that sounds like I'm putting, but yeah. it's like sort of F8 and like, it's weirdly like. It's light-handed. Right. It's like light-handed. It's just, nah. Yeah. Anyway, like I said, I thought, I think we've done a reasonably good job of not discussing the former president. Uh, and I hope that we have no reason to discuss him yes. much <laughs> going forward. Speaking of uh, just quickly I guess we can transition into the, a little bit more of the abortion stuff that we discussed last week. Uh, Tim Ryan and Stacey Abrams both managed to not do the thing that I was hoping that they would be willing to do in the last week. When asked about abortion, Tim Ryan has said it needs to be completely up to the mother. And that sounds like, you know, a reason, uh, or the woman rather, not the mother. Don't now, now I'm playing the pro-life game, I suppose, yeah. by calling her a mother. But he said that it's a decision strictly about bodily autonomy and that I as a man and we as a state or as a country have no business interfering in the relationship between a woman and her body or a woman and her doctor. And that all sounds well and good if you're a normal sort of progressive or or, or generally left-wing sort of person, but completely ignores the more conservative end of the conversation. Was and this, I would much uh, rather – was this statement given 
at the early part of this uh, story. And by the way, I should clarify, Tim Ryan is a member of Congress of Ohio. He's running for Senate. He's going to be going up against Vance in the fall, right? Against J.D. Vance. Yeah. He has a, a, a slight outside chance, I suppose, if, he, if this runs exactly correct over the next few months of beating Vance. Ohio went strongly for Trump but, and would go strongly for Trump again. Uh, they do have Sherrod Brown. Yeah, that's what I was going to other... say. Like, Ohio is a very weird state because it has, I mean, when we were growing up, now that we're over the hill, it used to be a battleground state, like the 2000, 2004, 2008. It hasn't been the case in la- the last few election cycles where it's not that competitive. Like, Georgia's more competitive. Arizona's more competitive. But... Ohio has a Democratic senator, uh, and so I, I, it has a Democratic senator, but it also has a. It also goes very strongly for Trump. So no, I mean, that's, that's whether, what I'm saying. You, but it seems like Ryan is trying to model his campaign after a Brown kind of thing, where he talks up a lot of just like jobs in Ohio, like this kind of bread and butter, simple stuff. None, none of the yeah, outside. an economic an economic populist right. message and. Sort of an almost Bernie Sanders ish, but more more conservative leaning rather right. than leaning into the democratic Just socialists less of America. Than Bernie Sanders. Yeah, sure. And and it it like I said, it's not completely implausible. There is right. a path to victory for Tim Ryan using the Sherrod Brown model, and and sort of playing up his authenticity within the state and J.D. Vance's seemingly, you know, he ran off to go to Yale and then he was, he lived in San Francisco and all of that. By the way, why Ohio? Maybe I, I didn't read his book. Wasn't he a West Virginian? He went to college and then he came no, back to Ohio? No, he's from Ohio. He went oh, to, he... he went to. Okay. So the whole time it was Ohio. Those states touch each other. It's called uh, close. For some reason, I just Don't pegged they? him to be from West Virginia, but I guess I'm wrong. He's from yeah, like, yeah, touch. he's yeah, from the hills Ohio. country of Ohio, but yeah. Holy shit, this fucker is younger than us. No, shut up. He's I hate him. <laughs> August 84. <laughs> I get it. Fuck. Anyway, <laughs> the point is that Tim Ryan, to me, could have threaded a more interesting line in the last week rather than... Because he's not... The, he's just... It seems like when you say the thing about... It's purely about a woman's right to choose and bodily autonomy and I have nothing further to say about that. And that you don't acknowledge any of the sort of conservative side of things, you're not doing anything but securing your bona fides with people who aren't going to vote for J.D. Vance no matter what, right? right. Like you're it, – it, it is not savvy politically. What's, it might feel good. It might feel right. You might not get dragged on Twitter because you said the right thing, but it doesn't speak to anybody outside of – the people who you've already deci- who've already decided that they're on your side, and if you lose the the most left wing or progressive side of things, wh- who are you going to lose them to? Right. I guess the argument is that you need a base of some sort. But how like how big is the progressive base in Ohio that that is saying. a concern but, at all? But it's a, I, I guess I, I don't know much about Ohio, but in a statewide election that has elected a Democrat in to office. Maybe the calculation is that uh, just run up the number. Basically, did, did, is Sherrod Brown, get, you know, peeling off conservative votes from his challengers, or are more otherwise gettable Democratic voters showing up to vote for him in? Because if it's the latter, then Tim Ryan can just play that up and just to kind of 
get people to turn out and beat a Vance who, despite what he said, like he's probably going to be like a moderate. I mean, he's talking up the conservative stuff. It seems like he's going to be one of those people that's going to go to the right and then he'll be like a more normal, like Portman kind of type senator. Like he's not going to be like a. I don't, I don't know. I don't think we're going to have any idea what sort of a senator fucking. Not an obstacle for my predictions, though, but yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's it, what I wanted to see out of people in close races this past week or, or Democrats, because I think that the Democrats, they have a legitimate opportunity here to turn if and we can talk about what we think about the the leak and where this is all going in a minute here. But assuming that already, I know. But if if we assume that the outcome is what the leak suggested it is going to be. I think that that presents a very good opportunity for Democrats in November, but not if they're not willing to offer some concessions to the other side, at least on at least on messaging. What do you think about the leak a week later? What is your because we, we, we both had theories and we I honestly thought that we would know by now. I am surprised we do not. And I'm now con- I'm now convinced that we will never know <laughs> that really? because we didn't know right away. I suspect. Can you that- throw in the "It's been bare naked ladies"? No, I will not <laughs> put that. Here. Great- Come on, don't poo poo. Good the idea. The way Bob. you said it, though, when you go back and re-listen to this, you're going to see that mm-hmm. you said it. <laughs> but yes, bam. Been- <laughs> no, no, no. Don't do that. It's been. I think. I'm, I think I said that we would likely know before even post last week's episode, and that did, did not happen right. because the the number they seem to have settled on is about 70 hands this could have gone through who could possibly have leaked it. And a week since the leak, I'm now seeing some articles saying, you know, that once implausible scenario where it came from someone on the conservative side is now more likely – which, That's now conventional wisdom right. for like the Nina Totenbergs of the world, which it's like the she's leading the theory. They longtime say. Supreme Court watcher of the from NPR, and that that seems to now be the conventional wisdom that that Occam's razor says this actually came from one of the conservative uh, somebody from the conservative side, and I continue to lean that way. After, that was the idea like you I floated, said, right? I mean, basically right. to lock. Yeah, but first you said that wasn't. I said that was less likely than it was just a and I still I still think if we're going purely on the uncomplicated no let's try not to build a conspiracy here where there's likely isn't one way of understanding the situation I still think it's just like a a really pissed off uh liberal staffer who who's sharing it not out of some hope that things are going to turn around for them, but is sharing it because they're fucking pissed off and they're horrified. And I, I think I still think that that's most likely. Although I will say that there was a I think it was in the Washington Post over the weekend. It was a piece about something that Clarence Thomas said at some speech this weekend about how the right cannot be bullied yes. by this sort of thing. And that like that and it's so fucking stupid, but it immediately, like, a wall slammed down in my brain, and I will now forever believe. Some small part of me will forever be convinced that this was Clarence and Ginny Thomas trying to ensure that Kavanaugh doesn't dr- jump ship and, right. and side with Roberts. Do you think that that 
Because I did uh, hear him say that, and I mean, he had the cover to point to, well, no, the, uh, I was talking about the reaction and how, uh, you know, some people were going to, to some justices' homes and, you know, trying to impose their uh, uh, opinions on them. But do you think that they anticipated the whole play? Like, let us leak this not only to lock it in, but also we're going to anticipate the, the, the big hubaloo reaction. People are going to be very pissed, right? And it's likely they're going to blame somebody on the left as like as a warning sign. So basically, maybe we'll get off scot-free. No one will figure this out. And then we can point to their reaction and say that that's what's the concern. The more, the more that you build this into some sort of a plan, yeah. the less I believe <laughs> yeah, because, it. Right? So, the, by the way, bravo if they anticipated all that. You're attributing a great deal of foresight to <laughs> Clarence and Ginny Thomas, which based on some recent text message revelations <laughs> from Ginny Thomas. I don't think she's necessarily capable of that level of, uh, of forethought right. and, and thinking about potential implications of things. Uh, she's a dummy, but, and, and like a, like a crazy dummy, like some well, of the, the right the to be, that, I mean, she doesn't hold any, absolutely. Yeah. Of course she has the right to yeah. be the fact that she's ascended to the very heights of influence within the conservative party and within uh conservative judicial politics, uh, says a great deal about those people. But that the, the <laughs> reason why she holds any sort of power, cause she's married to somebody who's in the Supreme Court, right. right? But she herself, and I wouldn't have I wouldn't have thought this about Thomas if not for the revelations of her text message exchanges with Mark Meadows uh, in the in the wake of the election between between November and January uh, of two years ago. But I but I think it now. I think it's absolutely within the realm of possibility that these two people are involved in this sort of thing. Now, do you think that when you said that first you thought? They were sorted out by now, and now you're like the opposite. Uh, do you think because it might be a conservative, they may look into it and like this is going to be egg on our faces? And let's like, do you think that's why we won't figure it out? I think. Well, I think. It, I think what I said last week was something like, if it was a staffer, we will know, and if it was a justice, we will never know. Okay. And because because that that part of my brain is now leaning to this was actually Justice Thomas himself or his <laughs> wife. Uh, <laughs> so you don't then, think Alito con- would do it? He wouldn't release his own thing. Like, I had five. We could have done it. And, and right. The only way that Alito does it, the only way that it's Alito is if he's already lost it. And there, there's reporting within the court that says that he hasn't already lost it. So that's the other thing is we talk about all these leaks. The more that you read this past week, there were leaks immediately after that right. about the internal thinking of, of Roberts and, and Roberts was talking to the press uh, or, or people who were familiar with Roberts' thinking was talking to the press as, as early as last Tuesday and Wednesday. There, there were leaks this week about how when the leak happened to say, to say nothing of what revisions might or might not have been made to the original draft. Like it presumably went through a couple of revisions since then. But there was confirmation that there were still the same five votes for this thing as of the leak uh, that there had been back in in February. Right. And, and that's if that is true, then it seems to be a risky thing to do to box a colleague who's already kind of seeing things out. I mean, if he was wavering a little bit, I mean, come on, give him some room. He'll land back in your uh, camp. 
to to take this hostile act against a colleague and they will know that it was you know right one- well maybe plausibly roberts had just circulated his own opinion that not yeah not that he necessarily had the votes but he was this is this is what roberts would write if he were the one writing the opinion and maybe that scared somebody who knows All right like i said probably liberal law clerk probably uh somebody's fucking roommate who found it on the printer at home uh some some law oh, clerk man uh, if that's what happened whew. right and and if that's what it is then that we will in all likelihood find out that that's what it was and uh like some ridiculously high percentage of people won't believe it if, no matter what right <laughs> so. if it ends up being five four the way that it's trending now. I think the leak they'll, they'll kind of overlook. But if it ends up being the other way, like if Roberts gets his way and it's five four the other way with Kavanaugh and Roberts joining the liberals to just rule very narrowly on the fifteen weeks. Fifteen weeks, fine, fuck off, right? And that's the end of the, this case, right? They're not actually ruling on Roe v. Wade. Like if he somehow Roberts gets Kavanaugh to to switch and just say, let's this is going to be. Too disruptive, too chaotic to do all at once. Let's just—they just told us about this 15-week thing. We'll just say fine, that's good enough, and then we'll move on. And if something more restricted comes along, we'll deal with it then. Then people are like, "Who the fuck was the leak?" Like, if, if basically if it becomes the opposite of what we're expecting, they're gonna—they're not gonna let it slide. They're gonna want to know right. who leaked it. But if it ends up being they get what they want, I think they'll say, "Fuck it, who cares?" By the way, I mean. Not that just purely for the drama. Like that's mostly what I'm here for when it comes to SCOTUS is is the fucking drama. Yeah. It's not it's not any of the rest of it. Not certainly not the constitutional issues or right. yeah. Of course I care whether or not abortion is overturned. Yes. But I'm I'm much more interested in the concurring opinions of Alito and Thomas if Roberts gets to write the opinion of the court that upholds the Mississippi law because of course he wouldn't be able to do do this with Kagan and Sotomayor like he's not that level of of able to wield the power of the court yeah. where he's able to bring the liberals along yeah no uh, definitely get the only to, option is the other one. but in that case would Kavanaugh as part of the deal like I, I'm gonna write it fuck you guy I know you're oh no chief. I would my guess is that Kavanaugh wouldn't want any he part doesn't of it. want to because, write okay so like right, Robert because he doesn't want heat. to be responsible. Okay. Right, he doesn't want to be the one responsible for not overturning Roe. He wants to just have Roberts draw a narrow reading here that allows him to follow along right. rather than take the lead. Okay. But like I said, if Roberts gets to write this opinion and it's a narrow sort of slow dismemberment of Roe, I, I always, whenever I talk about dismembering and, you know, last week the Solomon and the splitting the baby, it starts to feel weird. Yeah. But if... If they uphold the law, the concurrences by Thomas and Alito will be just fucking spectacular to oh, read. Yeah, because they will be as Adam as angry with Roberts, even more so than the liberals would be in their dissents, and that would be fun. But what's weird is like, why why not restrain yourself in that situation? There's still going to be opportunities because there's going to be other court cases. Basically, the the out that Roberts has that he may get Kavanaugh to support this time won't be available when inevitably the Texas case comes along and it's six weeks, you know, because there's no real, again, the, the reason why I never understood what, how the 15 weeks could, would work is because it's not based on anything. Like you had the viability thing before 15 weeks is just arbitrary. It could be 10 weeks. It could be right. three well, weeks. And I know that you've, you've, you've rejected this as my, as the point here, but I, 
I think that as a purely utilitarian thing, 15 weeks works fine. No, no, because it, it'll work fine, nine, but 90%... Because you, you just say 90% of abortions take place at, at or before 15 right. weeks. So the people who want abortion to be stopped are not going to get what they want, and you're going to disrupt the lives of the people who would have got it at the 16th week. You know, for like, what solution does this get you to? Why not just keep it the way it was? Like, whatever that, what, 20 weeks, 21 and, weeks? The, the, it is worth pointing out that in other Western democracies and, and other fully industrialized European dem- democracies, 15 weeks wouldn't be out of step there. Our, we, we are much more permissive and have been as a, as a nation, and certainly in some of our blue states, in New York and California, far more permissive of abortion than most other industrialized nations. Right. And I'm not making a value judgment there one way or another, but I'm, I'm just suggesting that it wouldn't be completely irrational it to just be. erect to, to erect a border somewhere and say this is what it is and that you know what you know who does that better than anybody and better better uh, than the fucking supreme court the catholic the lawmakers congress it's like their whole fucking job is to just make arbitrary distinctions that don't necessarily withstand complete critical scrutiny but we all have to fucking follow the rules because we live in a fucking society as they say Anyway, speaking of we live in a society, what is your take on the protesting in front of justices' houses? There was there was a story today about that that made the rounds and Politico had it and a number of other outlets had it and it was complete bullshit. And it was Alito may have been moved to an undisclosed location. We cannot confirm and also the person who said this said he heard it from someone and can't remember who it was. And that was that was the story that and went now out. You're talking about it. No, I know, but I'm talking about it as a total as a piece of total bullshit. Something that New York Times and the Washington Post and Politico shouldn't be telling people right. because the source on it is twice removed and doesn't even remember who the person was who said it to him. In other words, they fucking farted it out right. and then it became a news story uh, earlier this morning. Right. I, this is like a textbook case of my theory of you have to laminate your principles and 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 go back to you can I just can't think of any scenario where it's okay to go to somebody's home and with a bunch of people and and not have that be taken as a threat of something right it's a, a, a well, very and even worse than that like you think that's going to change their exactly. mind exactly yeah that's the thing so. What are you doing? Right. And that further undermines. So basically, it's not even like to try to like, hey, maybe you can see it the other way. It's like threat of violence because you see things a different way. Like at the Supreme Court or other like public gathering places, freedom of assembly and speech. I'm all for that. But like when you go to someone's home, the your freedom to speak uh, or protest, it's inextricable from the threat of violence that that gathering presents. Like, I, there's no way you can separate those two because this is someone's home. In the same way that the Charlottesville idiots who were marching with tiki torches, it just it calls up like this mob justice yeah. feeling right. that results in like people being strung up, and it like you just can't, you shouldn't be doing it. Right. There was a there's a tweet today that went. Around 75,000 likes, 20,000 retweets, so so a well-endorsed tweet. It's from somebody who calls himself the law boy. The what Uh, boy? 
He has, I don't know, the law boy. He's got a picture of Phil Hartman as his profile pic. He's he's one of maybe half a dozen semi-anonymous lawyers who have big followings on Twitter. Some like I don't know who the fuck this is guy he is. Young? Is he like, young? Like some boy? Or is he, has he outgrown his handle? I, have, I like, know nothing about him except that he has a podcast and a following of 127,000 people on Twitter. Imagine being like 43 years old with three kids. Going by that handle, <laughs> I mean, if he's yeah, he's not recently from law school, certainly. Anyway, Lawboy Esquire is is his handle, and it says when discussing the propriety of protesting outside of Supreme Court justices' homes, it's important to remember that in the '90s, the court held that protesting outside of the homes of abortion clinic employees is protected by the First Amendment. So he's suggesting here that because the court found it was permissible to protest outside the homes of abortion clinic employees, that we must we must therefore acknowledge that it is permissible for the protest to be going on outside of the Supreme Court justices' homes, which is a very, very stupid way of saying uh, if it's legal, it must be good, right. I guess, is what I'm he's getting that- at there. So on the books right now, it's permissible for a mob of people, of uh, similarly interested people, to show up to someone else and, like... Yeah, sure, it's permissible. That doesn't make it good. Yeah, like, we live on the city street, so... Right. Once they step onto our lawn, they're not allowed, but... Oh, so basically, if you have some... They're allowed to be on the sidewalk. Right. What if you're out on a run? And, oh, hey, guys, what's with the violence? Anyway... The official CIB position, I think, is uh, don't do that, people. Yeah, don't. Yeah, don't. Come on. Uh, anything else on the abortion thing this week? Any? Do you have any bold predictions? Uh, a week <laughs> removed as to do you think? Do you think this is the opinion that we're getting more or less, or is it going to change? I have no evidence for this. I somehow still think that Kavanaugh and Roberts are going to come up with a way to make it just. The case. The, don't make a broader ruling. Just stick to the case, and then Thomas and them will will complain. But they'll go. The only it. evidence that you need is that that would be the thing that caused the most fucking chaos, and that appears to be the timeline that we're in right now. Is the timeline where the it's it's the the timeline where RBG dies just ahead of the election, right? <laughs> yeah. It's the timeline where if fucking weird bad shit can happen, then weird bad shit will happen. The only the the only weirder thing would be if it goes against and Thomas speaks and say, "What's well, fucking me? I leaked right. it, you <laughs> asshole, Kavanaugh." <laughs> Let's play some Strassman here. All right. It's now time for America's favorite game show. Did Mark Strassman, CBS News' senior national correspondent, get off a good one? Kick us into a – it's not a very good – well, I'll I'll leave that for you to decide. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) it'll give us a discussion about the the inflation stuff. So here's Mark Strassman on CBS – news earlier this week. Mark Strassman traveled to Nashville, Tennessee, where this is becoming a big, big problem for people with lower incomes. In Nashville's white-hot real estate market, this is cool too, realtor Shane Talon says new listings under $700,000 generate feeding frenzies. If that house hits the market, there's likely 50 showings in the first 24 hours and 10 to 15, if not 25 offers on it. 
Despite rising interest rates, Nashville's real estate boom has no end in sight. Typical home values in Metro Nashville jumped more than 30% in one year. The typical monthly home payment shot up 50%. If you're going to come here, get here now because it's not getting any cheaper. North Nashville's part of the new Nashville, turning over fast, often no longer affordable to the old Nashville. This used to be the food pantry. Tomorrow, Stacy Downey will shutter the little pantry that could. Food for 300 families a week, mostly fixed income and working poor. We told them they could rely on us. And now they can't. The little pantry that could can't anymore. Its five-year lease wasn't renewed in a neighborhood where developers and investors keep scooping up properties. You're telling me in the entire city of Nashville there wasn't a single place to go? No, not for what we could afford. Absolutely not. <laughs> exactly. Teacher Jahan Strange relied on Stacy's pantry to help feed some of her students. The most important thing that she has given here is hope. Where does that help go now? I don't know. I honestly don't know. Inside all this city's prosperity, there's also pain. For CBS Mornings, Mark Strassman, Nashville. <laughs> all right. So, Abe, did uh, Mark Strassman, when I, I think it's clear that the, the moment is... The little pantry that could can't anymore. <laughs> did, did Mark Strassman... Get off a good one. That was not bad. That was not bad. <laughs> oh, he was giving it to him. Strassman gets off a good one. The problem, I mean, it was predictable. It was, it was so very, predictable. Was, as, yeah. soon as, as soon as I saw the little sign pop up that said the little pantry yeah. that could, I was like, oh, he's going to go with the yeah. little pantry that can't. Well, the, the problem, I, I, I feel like the little pantry that couldn't, after all, would be better. Like, can't yeah. doesn't have the same sort of lyrical quality is... Right, except that I think that he doesn't want to say that it couldn't because that implies that somehow this poor woman with her sob story is at fault, that she thought she could, but she she could not. By the way... And she can't, it's because she's being stopped by external forces of right. gentrification and, and all of but that. But couldn't they just relocate to another location? That's, I mean, <laughs> you have to drive somewhere, right? I mean, the... Like I don't understand. I understand the argument for everybody no, else who can't afford whatever. to live wherever they used to live because go of... rent a go rent a fucking storage space for one hundred and fifty dollars right. a month or whatever, and put your little pantry that could in there. That uh, real estate guy who was like, "Oh man, everything's through the roof," but this is the time for you to come. How convenient That's for right. his interests. <laughs> These real estate agents, I have a lot of them as clients. They're all really excited but fucking terrified yeah because oh. they all know get get while the getting's not, good is what yeah. they're thinking right now they're really excited but they're not like ho 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 things are good for me oh, the, they're like sell your house please right, right this no, second they are these are the people who are not uh, buying second homes and and putting a down payment on the pool or the or the boat because they're they know that the rainy they days know. are coming right. uh, I, it's remarkable that Every city has the same problem, like a lack of inventory. Like you think some place, like maybe we should just build more. Like no one has figured that out. Like every place you go to, they just don't. Everybody's bidding on the same homes because right. they're not building any more homes. It's kind of weird. So we talked about this uh, as it relates to Charlottesville, uh, probably a couple months ago now, and 
I don't know if we ever did an update, but just to update on the two houses that... Oh my God, that's what people have been waiting that, for. That you've been waiting to find out what happened to the houses <laughs> that went on the market at the beginning of the season here. The one that was an as-is, basically as built in 1968 and largely hadn't been updated since then, sold for almost $100,000 over asking wow. in in less than two weeks. Wow. Like it just it just went like right away. And the one that made me just absolutely staggered. He was so mad about it. Was the one, I think we described it as having been uh, a refinished kitchen, like an updated kitchen. And they have about as much livable space as we do in our house. And that one sold for... I want to say it was like five hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, it was. I thought five thirty-five wow. is what it listed for. Or something. Listed for five thirty-five, sold for five fifty, and it sold. It took a, a couple of weeks, but it sold. And the and all I'll say about that is that the woman who sold it, who bought it as a, as a like, she claims that she like was going to live here, but then ended up not living here and instead rented it out. But like she. I don't. Know, I don't trust this lady. Her, her <laughs> Facebook posts. I've never. I've never really trusted them. Anyway, she posted this like long rant on the neighborhood Facebook group about how, as though, as though people had been questioning her. And this was like, this is like her great you triumph. Were questioning I was, her. but how could she fucking know that? In, she doesn't listen to the show. Well, maybe maybe he, she does. Que- how would you know? It's the same area. Questioning what exactly? Like whether or they were going to flip it into a rental property or whether they're so going to live there? She, what it was is it was as though she had believed in the inherent value of the homes in this neighborhood when nobody else did. And it was this long screed against like other real estate professionals who have failed to get the true value out of the homes in this neighborhood whereas she and her real estate professional uh, were able to extract something approaching the true value of the homes in this neighborhood and and like it was it was that it was that notion of like somebody who sees a bet that needs to be made and then the bet pays off yeah. and then like has to fucking spike the football. Right. They can't just walk away. <laughs> she can't just walk away with having flipped a house for like $230,000 in just four or five years. She has to spike the football in your face afterwards and say how righteously correct she was all along. And like, I, wa- I was like, I was that close to commenting on her post about how we'll all be fucking thanking her when we pay our stupid real estate assessment taxes when when they go up by 20% right. this year because of her great success. Maybe she can slide us a few hundred to help cover the difference <laughs> since she made so much money. Anyway, it's a problem that's not unique to Charlottesville, obviously. It's uh, it's happening all over the country. And I think that it's – I mean I, I have no reason to believe this except for what we're seeing in the – in the stock market as a, as a potential leading indicator here over the last few months. And the fact that the Fed is going to continue raising interest rates uh, for the remainder of the year at, at either a quarter point or a half a point each each stop along the way. I expect that there's, that the bubble is going to burst. I, I don't... But it's not like a normal... It's not like the bubble from 15 years ago. This is basically just... The valuation is based on the lack of... people were complaining about how expensive everything was two, three years ago. Yeah, it'll go back to what it was. Right, except it was still high. it's going to be. It, it's yeah, there, it's not going to burst the way that it did in two thousand eight, but it is going to retract back to something that it, it, it be less insane than it was. Yeah, over and, the last couple of years, and it's likely in a few. Let's say in five years, 
whatever home someone bought and they're like, we want to go up or go down. And now whatever they paid for, like if they paid 600,000, now it's back to like 480 or 500, you know, they're actually like losing. I can see that happening where like you bought at the peak and then it leveled out and now it's not worth exactly what you paid for it. So you have actually negative equity. Right. That's a, that'll be a bummer for people. Uh, they shouldn't buy houses right now. Yeah, the, no, uh, the real estate guy says otherwise. <laughs> come, come. No, that, he says you should sell your house right now. Oh, is that? What <laughs> yeah, and like what? And it does. It, it would make perfect sense right now for us to sell our house. And, and and if it wasn't a question of having to move like forty miles away and live in the middle of fucking nowhere in order to like to make it worth it, yeah. right? Because if you, if you sell your house, you also have to fucking buy exactly. a place or perfect rent a place. Perfect time to have two homes. And right right now is a bad time to do that. Yeah. So the smart thing for us to do is just sit on this for a little while longer, as in the next 20 or 30 years. Yeah, we're sitting on this uh, until we're dead. <laughs> yeah. What are you talking about? I haven't gone back and listened to every second of this podcast from back when I think is the rough neighborhood of when I would have made this prediction. Mm-hmm. Why So not? I can't verify this because very important, busy things to do, listening to fucking Tolstoy novels on my phone and that sort of thing. I think I said something along the lines of, and I think it was roughly when either Trump – it could have been when Trump did it. It might have been when Biden did it. I might have said it both times for all I know. I said something like, I guess we're going to find out uh, whether or not inflation is a thing uh, yeah. <laughs> because they had – if you go – and I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes to – I'll see if I can find it here real quick first. Actually, I know exactly where to look because I posted it on Facebook. By the way – a uh, quick aside here about Facebook. Facebook, you'll remember from, uh, I don't know, 2011 or 2012, when Facebook put Facebook in your Facebook. It's like They, like, rejiggered the thing. Is that so when that it happened? When you went to Facebook.com, they had thrown more Facebook at you yeah. on, like, in one of the columns. I'm so, not familiar with what you're talking about. Well, I I, I remember the, the memes like because it was – you remember – yeah, you remember exhibit? Yeah, the exhibit. MTV, the exhibit whatever. meme was about good, but like Facebook just ride. put Facebook in your Facebook. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. The pimp my ride. Yeah. They pimped Facebook by putting Facebook in your Facebook. Yeah. So I think that was like 2011 or 2012. They rolled that out. I don't remember what specifically the feature was, but they've done it again because, of course, Facebook had to ape the Instagram stories thing, and it sort of is a Snapchatty thing too, where you you do this thing that goes to the top of your Facebook feed when you go to the app or to the website and it alerts people if you've seen it, right? So if I watch my cousins, I'm just looking here at the top of my thing here or this girl that I grew up with sort of, if I watch one of these stories, they're called, it will then show in her list that Bob Howard saw your story, right? You know, what Facebook has done in the last week, at least on the on the Android app, I don't know where else it's been rolled out, is they started sticking Facebook stories. They pull them not only at the, at the top of the app, but they stick them in your news feed now. And it says, as I'm scrolling through the other day, it pops me up with a warning, what amounts to a warning anyway. It's, it's notifying me that if I linger too long, over the Facebook story, yeah. as I'm scrolling through, then it will notify the person whose story it is that I've seen the story. 
And nothing has made me want to uninstall the Facebook app from my phone more than that. Right. Because up until now, and I've never watched on purpose a Facebook story because I specifically don't want anyone to know that I'm looking at their fucking right. Facebook. Right. Like you put it out there, it's not your business whether or not I see the fucking thing. And if it's somebody like an old friend who like would want me to see the thing, right. they should fucking first of all just fucking send it to me. send me a screenshot if you think something's fucking funny on the internet. Don't put it, like we're no longer doing this right. this Facebook thing where we all comment back and forth on things. And and like fine. But like nothing has made me want to immediately delete my Facebook app than finding out that like uh, some girl who often posts videos of her all dudded up and looking hot to go out for the night has stuck a Facebook story in there is then going to get a notification that because like I opened my phone and left Facebook on and was scrolling Creep and alert. then like up oh, here's here right here's her <laughs> in her fucking bikini and like you know yeah like no but fuck you Facebook Zuckerberg the, what are you doing why why are you doing this what's the motivation for this because you're right I am. It's less, Instagram. Instagram right, does but that. Th- like, I am less likely to like look at even like my my siblings will post a thing on one of these apps, and I just don't click on it. I don't want to have any further interaction that I want. Like, I'm just going through the social media, but like, it, it, I just don't understand. Like, are people more likely to click on something if they know someone watched their content? And are we wrong? I don't know, but no. I've had the, it's, it's the exact opposite thing, and like, I'm I'm going to delete Facebook from my phone. I'm not going to deactivate my account. I'm not going to be dramatic. I'm not going to make a it's big post about it. It's you say that because I can't, I don't have Facebook on this computer. I tried to log in just now and it like doesn't know who I am. Yeah. But I, I just, I don't know that it, it's something, it's very discomforting to me to know that just by scrolling through the Facebook feed, you will alert people who Facebook has determined, like, this is a story that the Facebook algorithm wants you to see that was posted by one of your friends, and now, like, we're going to force you into seeing it and also tell everybody that you've seen it. Like, no, you fucking creeps. Don't do that is to it, me. It's, it's possible. Is it like an age thing? Do you think people who are younger see it in the exact opposite way? They're more likely to engage when that when people are aware? Because I don't see any other reason why they would do it because it – turns me I, I tune out that content when it's that way like i would be more likely to see it if it was just like a regular thing a regular post so if they're doing this it must be for a reason if it was working for the other app and they're trying to incorporate it yeah i mean if they rolled it out to the entire android app i presume that they did a bunch of testing right. and that this is a popular thing but uh, it seems really terrible to me i agree is that the same motivation for the – YouTube has this thing called shorts, which I don't understand. It, it fucks up your ability to see it full screen, and it's just like – You have to watch it on the phone. You can't watch it on the TV if you're casting to your to your Roku or whatever. What's that about? Another thing? Maybe they're I just trying know. to kick us old people out. I don't know what's going on, but they're, they're making it difficult for me just to watch something that I was able to watch months ago. All right. I went and I looked up the uh, the thing that I was looking for, so we can stop with the Facebook diversion here. If you look at a chart of the M1 money supply, this is a chart put out by the the St. Louis Fed. So the M1 money supply is basically just the the cash, the amount of the amount of cash that is out there. Fucking scheduled maintenance on the 
God damn it. <laughs> Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis website is down <laughs> for scheduled maintenance, Very you fucking important. pieces of shit. Uh, all right, so I'll just share an old version of yeah. the chart. To be fair, who's perusing that website at 9.50 on Monday night? Fucking content producers <laughs> is right. who. All right, I that did. is the M1 money supply chart as of February 11th. And if you look at uh, you look at it from October of 2019, it's way down at, a, at the bottom, down there at, at four thousand billion dollars, which is a, a lot of money. Uh, but then, since the pandemic has started, we've seen it uh, jump considerably, and it goes all the way up to over twenty thousand billion of dollars. Which wouldn't uh, that be twenty trillion? Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, I think that's trillions. So they've very dramatically. This is uh, in response to the pandemic, I take it, right? The, the right, a great deal yeah, of they pandemic. They gave us all a bunch of money that didn't exist before. Look at this! Look at this fucking. It was thing. pretty sweet. <laughs> fucking Federal well, Reserve Bank of St. Louis. Yeah, are. we'll be back soon. <laughs> Don't you go Why away? Why do you need the St. Louis one and not a different one? There's like this nine, is the eight. This nine, is the one that ten? tracks this specific uh, thing. How many are there? There are twelve, nine, I think. Twelve. At least 11. Anyway, what I said, this is a very long and winding road back to how I started this conversation. I said at some point in the last few years, I guess we're going to find out if inflation is a thing because they're going to be inflating the money supply quite dramatically. And it wasn't just like you often hear, oh, they doubled the money supply. They've quintupled. (laughs) They've made the – there's five times as much cash – just floating around out there than there was just as recently as 2019. And that was after a very long extended period of that chart going up rather dramatically that now it's lost all of its drama from like, from like 1970 to 2019. It was already like a very dramatic decoupling of right. uh, the notion of what money is from anything that resembles uh, rational value uh, ever since the, the end of the, uh, Nixon's decision to decouple us from the the gold standard, uh, which you know, there's big arguments to to have one way or the other on that sort of thing. But what you can't deny is that since 2019, things have gotten far more dramatic, uh, making a, a total you know, you know making everything that came up before 2019 look like absolutely nothing. Now, is it possible that it could be a combination of things that caused inflation? Because you're right. Uh, I don't know when you made uh, your statement, but like as recently as the Build Back Better legislation, the fall of 21, just like six months ago, like when Manchin would raise the – one of the motivations for why he wasn't going for it is because of the fear of inflation. And people were like, are you out of your mind? There's not going to be any inflation. Everything's totally fine. Uh, and it seems like he maybe was right on the inflation front. But Of course I'll, he was right because modern monetary theory is fucking bullshit. No, but, but think yeah, about it, it always has been. What if – because that graph that the audience, the listeners can't see, but like the graph just went through – just went straight up, right? It, like a cliff except yeah. opposite. It's crazy how – and inflation, even though it's a 40-year blah, 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 considering how much money was pumped in, it's actually not – I'm surprised it's not inflation is now worse than what it is. So is it well, po- we're not done? Is it possible that it's all of the money plus limited supplies and everybody's bidding on the same things? And then that it was like those two things. If basically, if they dumped all this money for no reason, like let's say there was no pandemic, just like 
Trump is like, oh, if we're not going to shoot uh, protesters, can we just dump a fuck ton of money on election year? But all of the supply chains are intact. There's no issues, and people can pay for things at a regular price. Would inflation have happened the way it has now? It seems like it was like a those two things combined to make it worse. They kind of exacerbated. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not pretending like I know that this is a purely causal thing, and that this one this one factor is what determines the eight or nine percent inflation that we're experiencing year over year right now. But I to to suggest that it's not any right. factor, yeah, you can uh, just is is pretty dumb. What was still out? The jury's still out on the other one, which is for all these years, people were, have been complaining about the deficit, the ballooning deficit. It's oh, 10 trillion, it's 20 trillion, it's 30 trillion, and nothing really has no negative um, side effects have come from that yet, right? Like it's not like anything has happened on that front, right? So, but what if we just borrow forever? 300 trillion. Right. Well, presumably, eventually, the Chinese won't be terribly interested in continuing to fund our profligate borrowing. Yeah, but then they'll be in and, the hole for all that other money. Right. Sure. I'm not, I'm not saying that there wouldn't be consequences, but like the extent to which the entire global economy is now tied entirely into being propped up by America's willingness to take on debt uh, is probably not good in the, uh, in the long run. And I'm actually like it is bad for the small amount of money that I have directly in the stock market. But I'm like I'm relieved when I see all of these major pullbacks in these indices, the the stock market indices, because it so much of it is just built on complete and total fucking nonsense and uh, valuations that don't make any sense. So when I see that like the Nasdaq is down 20 percent in the last six weeks or whatever it is like that checks out to me right like, it, it does that's not at all surprising but what's what's weird is how you're thinking okay this sucks for the people who will suck for uh but at least this is a more true reflection of where we are and then like by the summer the numbers are probably going to go back the other way right and i don't understand that like i thought you guys figured out that the true value of whatever is this and then things just slowly get back well, to where they were before. It's, it's it's plausible. Yeah, I mean, eventually, yes, we are almost certainly already in a recession. We had a contraction of the economy in the last quarter, to the surprise of many. They expected one percent growth. I know this gets into shit that people just emit your eyes immediately right. gloss over, right. unless you're I'm talking to my friend on the phone about boys, it's right? <laughs> Instead of uh, having any idea of what's coming out of my mouth, uh, and that's fine. But we are. Probably, if I had to guess, we are going to be in a, a textbook definition of a recession when the next GDP numbers come out because they thought that we were going to have 1% growth and instead we had like minus 1.5% contraction. I thought – I'm thinking the opposite. Basically, they got that one wrong and the other – the next quarter will be wrong in the other direction. It will be like plus whatever. Like I think the recession fears that people think is going to happen will happen in 23, 24. But do you think that we're going to have back-to-back negatives? They, they whiff yes, on I think one quarter. All the other indicators are pretty strong. So it's like – We need – so that's the other thing is do you know what, what pulled us out of what, – what stopped the inflationary cycle and what pulled us out of a complete disaster in the 70s was the willingness of the Fed in Volcker. the 80s, in the early 80s. Uh, and Volcker, uh, Reagan's Fed, uh, Paul Volcker. Carter uh, brought him on and then, yeah. 
willing to push America into recession and endure a couple of very difficult years in order to uh, turn everything around. In order to kill inflation, you had to bring on a recession. And I I wonder if Jay Powell and the Fed have the have the long enough leash from the federal government to plunge us into recession here and kill inflation. I guess we'll we'll find out. Uh, but there's nothing inherently. I mean, obviously, uh, recession is painful, but the idea that it was we were going to go on forever uh, at, at at the sort of growth that we've seen in this economy since 2008, even despite uh, a cratering of things in March and April of of 2020. Uh, just didn't make any sense. And a, a recession now is, is probably for the best. And wouldn't people and, and, be, I mean, that's ridiculous that I'm even saying this, wouldn't they be like understanding because this was as a result of a once in a century kind of thing where had the pandemic not happened, they wouldn't be in a need to tame down inflation by inducing a recession, right? So like, you just have to eat this shit because what are you going to do? We had the pandemic, right? And it's going to suck for... Right. And you know, the question, the question is whether or not, and it becomes a purely political one, I guess, but like, can Biden endure a few quarters of recession if it if it ends up turning the economy around and really getting things going again after the 2022 election and we get into next year and the Republicans have taken over everything? Can he somehow turn this into a win for the Biden presidency? On, on some sort of a long run. Now, I don't think that he can possibly run again in 2024. I, I suppose that he certainly he could. I suspect that he is not going to be physically capable of doing it. Is there anything in the Constitution, uh, now that we're opening up all of, oh, it's not in the Constitution with Alito? Is there anything in the Constitution uh, that says hologram Biden can run for the second term, right? Like <laughs> actual Biden is at home and then hologram Biden is out and about. Because that I could see that happening, but I, I on, on on your actual question, does it matter? It seems like if they're good uh, economic news, like Biden doesn't get any credit, and then if it's bad, if like this is why he's not going to win, right? Like or why the Dems are going to oh. struggle in the fall. It seems like even if all the numbers need were some, nice, we would need some good economic news to test your theory. Right. When we haven't, I mean, you, you say what you will about the jobs situation, I suppose, and we've added jobs, added jobs, and then uh, also the. the Slightly cut into the deficit, like uh, you're not going to get too many bonus points for Democrats. That. Democrats never get credit for the deficit stuff, right? But it, it, it's like I'm saying, like if, if the my theory of that the 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 whiff on that negative quarter, if I think we'll probably have one more quarter report before the elections, or maybe two. But let's say if it was two, and they're both stronger than expected and the every month were about 500,000 new jobs and the wage numbers are going up like that won't be the story it'll be like some other things right well the story will be inflation as right. long as they have inflation at at eight nine percent right. every month it's that will be the story it's the only story that matters the jobs numbers don't matter the wages numbers don't matter it's not like wages are up 12 or 15 percent and inflation is only nine like your buying power if your wages go up three and a half or four percent and inflation is nine percent you're making less money than you did last year right and that it doesn't matter how they try to massage this whether it's it's a putin price hike or putin's (laughs) inflationary cycle or whatever like that's all total fucking horseshit you you are the president you own it and it's not fair 
Uh, but it's also not fair when you get credit for for things when the when the economy is humming either. Right. What, what's troubling with the inflation numbers? Like every month they say they do the forty year high because you're just moving up one. You're looking at the last this rolling twelve month view, and so the numbers are going to be high every month. It's going to be forty year high. I don't know when that's going to end. Maybe in the summer where it'll peak and then it'll be like it's still very high, but it's not a record breaking thing. But it'll just be every month. There'll be that story. Let me scroll through my screenshots here. <laughs> Do you tag your screenshots? Important, not important? Oh, no. That's the worst part is that I have to. <laughs> oh, here's one. My child today was saying, he used the 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 verb, I megged him, M-E-G-G-E-D. Mm-hmm. And I said, Don't like that. Son. That's not a verb. What is that? Uh, and he said, it is a word. And his little buddy said, it is a word. And I said, no, no, no. It's not a, I, I, fine, but it's not a verb. And I'm not going to kowtow to your bullshit vernacular here, child. And, and uh, we were walking home from school and the, the lady, the neighbor lady is like, no, I had looked it up. I had this conversation last week. I looked it up. It is a, it is a thing. And it, and they say it in soccer when, when it goes oh, through nutmeg. somebody's legs, yeah, oh, nutmeg like, them. That's short, a new word. Shortened it to megged, and and then she goes into this thing about how she looked it up, and it's it's because they were replacing stolen chicken eggs with with nutmegs, and it was uh, this whole big thing. And so now, when you trick somebody by kicking a ball through their legs, it's because it's the same way that like the fucking. The, the pirates used to trick you into thinking you had eggs when really right. you had nutmegs. And I immediately I was like, that sounds like no, total bullshit. This, this is, is about balls. This is, <laughs> this is about this is like the cock online, and balls. That's right. This is online uh, gamer. <laughs> right. And so I, I then looked it up when I got home and immediately discovered that I was right. That this is about the balls. No kidding. That this is... Yeah, it's about so it, apparently it is about like the soccer players do it and it's a UK thing. And by the way, two two ironclad rules of linguistics are that if it comes from the United Kingdom or it originates with young boys, yeah, it's about balls. Yeah. Like it's if <laughs> if it's a euphemism and you're not sure what it's about, if it comes from the United Kingdom or it it came from a bunch of 8 to 12 year old boys, or older. It's just about testicles. <laughs> it's always one way or another about testicles. That's pretty reliable standard. <sighs> All right. What else we got from the old screenshot uh, repository here? Couldn't be uh, anything good. The Washington Post tweets, With Elon Musk's looming takeover, the future of Twitter's content moderation is uncertain. Experts say women and people of color could suffer the most. I think that's just a general statement. The fuck those, are we that's talking a specific about? statement and then a general statement that don't necessarily have to do with one another, but both are true. But the first statement, what uh what content moderation was there or is there? Donald so I Trump's do think it's allowed. if we're gonna be completely Okay, uh, that's what good they mean by here. content, just like kicking some people out of the platform. Sure, there is Probably. it's not 4chan, it's not 8chan, it's right. not like a complete fucking free for all where right. you can do whatever you want, but it's also largely self-regulating, right? Like in the, uh, presumably anyway, and I, they do a bad job about weeding out the bots and that sort of thing. And hopefully 
they can figure that out, or Elon can, who knows. Uh, but this idea that not having more content moderation is going to cause women and people of color to suffer the most, and that that somehow, first of all, you you accept that premise, and then from that you have to you have to assume that the victimizers the aggressors are uh i guess we'd say men and specifically white, white men. men so we will benefit the the white man once again benefits the most and this is on the heels of a new york times piece last week that insisted that Elon must have been somehow tainted by apartheid when he because oh, he was right. from South Africa <laughs> and that he benefited from a system of white privilege. So by the way, and I I'm sure that this point has been made a billion times elsewhere. But if we're going to conflate the bullshit sort of uh white privilegey stuff that we talk about in our society and culture and we're going to call that the same as fucking apartheid South Africa. Yeah. <laughs> then we've completely lost all sense of proportion. And I know that's not surprising for me to have that position. But, like, we cannot just call the results of apartheid uh, white privilege and also call uh, what happens to me when I post on Twitter white privilege. This is not the same category of thing. Yeah, you're asking too much of these terms when it can apply to those two groups. Um, So – just to clear up the confusion, because I'm still trying to figure this out on the content moderation front. So as far as I understand Twitter, I'm doing a lot of the heavy lifting. I'm following accounts, right? And then on top of that, Twitter will do the stupid sponsored stuff. Or if any of the people that I'm following, if they retweet somebody that I don't follow, then I guess that's the way in, right? But like, if let's say you had a more lax content moderation system under uh, an Elon Musk or whomever, like my personal experience is not going to change all that much because how does the crud get into my feed if I'm not following the crud? Because people repost things they hate. Right, but... Th- right, that's, that's most of what Twitter is. is that's what, people that's, retweeting I mean, that's, uh, things like that if they you, hate. You use the example of 4chan, right? Like... 4chan's just like threats of violence and talking shit about women and minorities, no? Yeah. Like, that's my understanding of it. So I guess that's it's what also the New York joke. Times is that's talking. The other, that's, that's the other fine. important thing. I'm not, no, I know. Everyone needs to calm down and just not look at the thing. But, like, if the question is what the fuck are they talking about, I guess the answer is Twitter could become more like 4chan. And, and that's not a nice... Right, it wouldn't be nice for uh, his investment either, because I mean, 4chan isn't as popular. Nobody would use it anymore, right? Right. And also, when somebody posts on 4chan that the new the Viking movie, uh, fucking what what is it called? Oh, that Uh, aggro movie, The Northman. The Northman. When when the Northman is when when somebody posts a glowing review of the Northman on 4chan, the glowing review consists of. Hail Odin, this is a great success for white supremacy. <laughs> that person is not being serious, okay? And we can't identify that, that as an actual yeah. person. And writing an op-ed in the Los Angeles Times about how – and scolding the people right. who made the Northmen because your fucking your, – your movie is being uh, appreciated by the worst people on the right. And you need to consider that when you're making this movie is how how is the 4chan people going to take it? Like, no, no actually. Yeah. You don't have to consider how the how, how people on 4chan are going to react to your fucking movie. By the way, is this a hypothetical or did this actually happen? 
Which? The, that, that some bozo online said, oh, this is a great illustration of the whites. And then somebody said, this is irresponsible by the filmmakers. Yes, that happened. That- I'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> See, okay. I, I don't know if it was the Los Angeles Times. But, it might have been like the Guardian or something. But it was it was a legitimate news outlet that posted a review of the Northman that condemned the Northman because it received praise from some anonymous idiot on 4chan. See, that's the problem with all of this need for content because you event- inevitably will run out of things to write about, and you draw these ridiculous, con- like really some. Yahoo posted something on some message board, and you think that that's an indictment of the film? I mean, the movie I thought and was are you not aware, very good. Are you aware, like, you fucking idiot film critic who, who, who put this in a column, that you've given that person a win? Yeah. That the person who posted like, – all he cared about was getting some normie in mainstream media to be horrified at the thing that he said, and then and, and now he's won. Yes. He's the big winner yeah, of 4chan that Abe day. Abe is exactly right. It's because of content creation. It's the same thing as always that I'm always talking about 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 the false confessions like if you have enough pressure on you you will say anything and this person felt so compelled to to write something that they found a stupid tweet and took it seriously and wrote something about it like get off of it also this uh writer must have been perusing 4chan right i i guess i wonder if they do it for enjoyment or just for content it's like somebody's well no because there are there are any number of people at mainstream outlets whose entire job now is to go check infowars and 4chan and and 8chan and find the most awful things that people are saying and then report on them as though as though nut picking is a perfectly virtuous thing to do if you're on the left but when when the right does it with libs of tiktok it's just not acceptable it's the same fucking thing it doesn't matter Anyway, let's do a quick philosophy class with Abe. I don't know. Cool, cool. Um, I should have sent this along to you so you could read it ahead of time, but it's just a brief write-up from neurosciencenews.com. Why exactly neurosciencenews.com is showing up in my Google feed, I could not tell you. Why isn't it .org or something? Sounds suspicious. .com. This is from a, uh, a study out of the University of Illinois, and I'll just read a couple paragraphs here. Gene editing may be a potential treatment for anxiety and alcohol use disorder in adults who were exposed to binge drinking in their adolescence, according to the results. Did I show you this, or did you... What is... This sounds very familiar. Uh, You did not send this to me, no. I read it. What is it? (laughs) (laughs) What publication is it? It's one thing to know that nobody listens to the podcast. It's another thing to know... That as I'm saying the words out loud in this very room, nobody's listening to the podcast. It's boring? Neurosciencenews.com. Okay. Headline, a factory reset for the brain could cure anxiety and drinking behavior. Study out of the University of Illinois. Uh, Gene editing may be a potential treatment for anxiety and alcohol use disorder in adults who were exposed to binge drinking in their adolescence, according to the results of an animal study published in the journal Science Advances. To sum up as best I can understand it after having read this short article about it, they are doing, they're using the CRISPR technique, which is a, a way of doing gene editing, to uh, on mice or rats or whatever the little animals are running around in the cages there. They 
expose them to a great deal of drinking uh, early in their life, and then they do some gene editing on them, and they've been able to epigenetically reprogram them in the the brain's emotion and memory center uh, to take away their anxiety and make them drink less, basically, is what it comes down to. So they get them liquored up, these poor... uh Young. Yes. <laughs> I don't think I've actually they seen expose them to alcohol a drunk early. rat. Like, what they were saying in the article was, like, as though they were 10 to 18 years old. Okay. And so in human years. They deliberately do it, and then they edit that part out. Right. And so I'll read, I'll read here. First, the researchers studied adult rats with intermittent alcohol exposure in their adolescence, corresponding to about age 10 to 18 in human years. They observed that we when that one. they observed that when DCAS9 was used to promote acetylation, a process that loosens chromatin and allows transcription factors to bind to the DNA, ARC gene expression normalized. Additionally, indicators of anxiety and alcohol consumption decreased. Alcohol was or anxiety was measured through behavioral testing, such as by documenting the exploratory activity of rats placed in maze tests, and preference for alcohol was measured by monitoring the amount of liquid consumed when the rats were presented with the choice of two bottles consisting of options such as tap water, sugar water, and varying concentrations of alcohol. The bottom line here is that These results demonstrate that epigenomic editing in the amygdala can ameliorate adult psychopathology after adolescent alcohol exposure. Essentially, that you can, using the CRISPR technique, reprogram the brain to make you less of an alcoholic if if this your alcoholism is a result of early exposure in adolescence. So um did they was there a number like how effective was this in this limited setting? Three effective three. Yeah, I don't know what the number is in terms of effectiveness, but they believe that they found a result. And they're gonna so, try it on uh, regular people at some point. I don't know. I don't know future? what the uh, uh, this is the implication of the study, not and uh, not a plan for what they're going to do moving forward, but. It's a conversation that I've had. I remember having this conversation with my buddy Augie about uh, back in like the year 2001 or 2002 or something like that. But this this CRISPR technology, this ability to do gene editing to sort of roll back the effects of the environment, <laughs> to, to roll back the negative effects that the environment has had on your genes that essentially has made you who you are today, right? So this is this is now less about this specific thing that I'm talking it's about like with the alcoholism. It's like that ship that we talked about that one time? Yeah. Sort of, it's but like that ship. imagine that you can, if there are a- aspects of your personality and, and your behavior today that are a result of, not of the genes that you were born with, but the switches that got turned in your genes since you've been born, right? right. According to the, the, the way – because epigenetics is about the impact of the environment on you specifically since you've been born, right? As opposed to uh, the DNA that was laid out for you at the very beginning. So if you could somehow change important things that have been changed – inside you by the environment by the experiences of your life trauma is what you're sort of referring to without using the word perhaps trauma but if you could go back in and edit your your genome now 
to remove some of those effects, yeah. would you go ahead and do Is that? Is this supposed to be a difficult question? 100%. First of all... <laughs> Can you think of an example? What am I hanging my head uh, on? Anxiety and drunkenness? Get rid of those things. Yeah. I always thought that uh, we gave up on the lobotomy too soon. I know there were some bad... Initial oh, experiences. Christ. I tend to agree. Some I wasn't people. sure that this was going to be a good <laughs> philosophy is, class with but, Abe, but I was I was wrong. Abe no, wants to go back no, no. to lobotomizing no, the Kennedys and that sort of thing. If you dealt with people the way I have to deal with people, there you were, would want lobotomies for everyone. Yeah, the, the idea and the technology weren't in sync, you know. So there were very crude methods back then. I'm not for that, but this sounds like a very precise way to go about it. So. Like Bob, is nurse your concern is not here. even like, oh, there can be some unintended whatever. You're just saying just on a surface, would you be fine with modification of this and that? Like the way that I've always thought of it is like keep your identity small. So I don't – if somebody took my left limb, I'm still going to be all right tomorrow, right? I'm not identifying my left limb or my anxiety or my alcoholism or whatever. Like get rid of those things. Like to me, that's like the easiest choice I can make. And I make very similar choices daily. Like it'd be easier than drinking coffee, which I do every day during the week. No hang-ups. So if you could, if you could say edit your, and this is not at all within the realm of science at the moment, but if you could edit your genome in such a way that you no longer required or craved or whatever the reason is that you drink coffee. Yeah. Like what? Uh, and I'm not saying that. Because I'm, I'm trying to think of something that isn't... The thing is, Abe is perfect, and the, that's <laughs> right. the problem here. It, it's like a not fair question to ask Abe, because you, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing... There's they further, would go further, look, and they'd say, oh, there's nothing here. I can, I can alter great. Abe's genome simply by introducing him to like a new thing to eat for lunch, <laughs> and then for like the next three and a half years, it's just what he'll do. If, so... I don't need the CRISPR technology. I can just present him with a piece of toast with peanut butter on it, and he'll be like, ah, oh, breakfast for the next 18 <laughs> See, th months. Those kind of things I wouldn't want to uh, bother with because either – whatever. If I'm eating toast or burritos or whatever, I'm eating that, right? To me, it's the same thing, right? But, like, if the stupid CRISPR thing could uh, improve my memory recall, I'd be all for that. Like, I forget things all the time, and if there's a way in to fix that, 100% it. But, like – you know, have more hair or something stupid. Like, I don't care you don't, that. You're, you're, you're not concerned about the fact that, like, Abe with a solid memory dramatically changes the experience of everyone else of Abe. Oh, right? that is a very <laughs> small consideration to me. No, you'll figure it out. <laughs> it's sort of like that movie that I still don't know if it was real, that the total... Total Recall? No. the It was called Single White Male. But it was about that guy who had his memory wiped all of a sudden and didn't know who he was. Yeah. But, like, I still don't know if that was real. But it was cool. But, yeah, like, the story of the movie is this guy basically has total autobiographical memory wipeout, amnesia. Yeah. And eventually kind of pieces together who he is or was and... Part of that is getting together with people who were supposedly his old friends, and his old friends don't like he's different oh, okay. because he has no context. I see. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I I do. Unsurprisingly, I object to CRISPR gene editing to alter my behavior and to to roll back. 
It's the old thing about like, would you eliminate negative experiences from your life if you could? No, I and mean that, that's different fi- though, right? Because you 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 almost need to appreciate the reasons why you shouldn't do those things. So if you make a mistake, you'll you can learn from it. You know, you're better for it. Just the temporary unpleasantness that, that that's not enough to like say I want to do away with the lesson because I feel bad for half a second. I just I have such a natural disinclination towards mucking about with the software. Even like recognizing that I my software has been mucked about with by forces outside of my control. Right. The idea that I'm going to meddle about in there and try to rearrange things such that like to return them to a more natural state or something like that. Like I just I don't think that that is sort of philosophically it's not a road that I want to go right. down. Right. I mean for frivolous stuff I don't think it would be worth tweaking things, you know, but like if it was something But you don't know big, what those things are. Right. But what if yeah, you know, somebody's like I want different color eyes or something, you know, I don't even know if you could change that. But that's not because of your upbringing. That's right, that's but, pure DNA. But okay, so if somebody like if you came from a line of drunks, alcoholics, right? So this is like a real thing. I mean, the anxiety thing, don't they have like cognitive behavior whatever and pills and it seems like they had that sorted yeah. out right but on the alcohol front hey let's give it a shot let's see if i don't become a degenerate drunk you know i i don't i don't see what's wrong with trying to make yourself better yeah yeah sure i'm and as usual i'm all for it if you for anybody it who wants to try of it trauma like fucking assault when they're a child when they're already predisposed towards addiction and then they're fucked around with by an uncle like yeah that, right you're not going you can't it, so it's not the sort of thing where you actually turn off the you you can't remove the traumatic experience no but, but you can but make yeah, them you can, not an alcoholic you know of it. sure one thing that is to some frivolous but to me very important i don't need all of that pain when i stub my toe like if you dial that down it a seems, little, it seems unfair. Yeah, it's just too much information. I, I, why does it it's hurt so much? Too much for such a little Fucking thing. Six weeks later, Abe's walking around without a foot <laughs> because he's <laughs> turn it down. Not just continue, <laughs> continually rammed it over. Huh? I just had it been run over by three different Ubers in the last week. It's like ah, fuck. I've made a, I've made a small mistake. <laughs> I would, if, if that was my life story, like the cautionary tale of Abe, like he, he thought he could tweak his pain threshold, and now look at him. You've been listening to Cast Iron Brains, a podcast with Bob and Abe. Find the show on Facebook or Twitter. Head over to brainiron.com or castironbrains.com. The opening and closing themes of the show were composed by Mark Gillig. Don't forget, you can share all of our garbage on Facebook or Twitter if you want. Our episodes post to Facebook. And they come, uh, the only handy thing that I like about that posts automatically when I post it to the website. It includes a, a transcription. You can, uh, you get closed captioning if you watch uh, the podcast oh. on, on Facebook, which is neat. And it's fairly accurate, uh, dis- almost distressingly so. Even, even with your fucking marble mouth <laughs> bullshit that you. I would like to see that, yeah. Because sometimes they'll stop mid sentence. That's definitely not me editing you to sound like an idiot or anything like that. <laughs> Certainly would never do that. Uh, let's see here. There are like a dozen more things that we were supposed to talk about today, but... No, there aren't. There aren't. Abe, did you uh, make it to the movies this week? I did. I, I went 
to see uh, the Doctor Strange movie that was supposed to hit two hundred million. I put money. I was thinking it was going to hit two hundred million, and it didn't. But the movie. It's one of those movies where I immediately wait, forgot. Wait, do you bet on how much money a movie is Basically going I said, to make? You I liter- know I uh, previously said that uh, that I was going to take a temporary, indefinite pause from betting, but I, I was telling uh, one you of my friends, sports Irvin, betting, that this movie is definitely clearing two hundred, just based on my uh, unscientific, like how many people are at my theater for the opening weekend. You know, like this looks like what happened with Spider-Man, where every showing was like almost full. So I did the simple right. math. I mean, it ended up being a little short of two hundred million, but whatever. This was—I'm already kind of not sold on comic book movies because they're all—they hit the same beat. They're all the same movie. I don't know yeah. why people haven't figured this out. Maybe they have, but this last one—it was so the same beats in my mind that I immediately forgot what it was about. I didn't even know how the movie ended. Like it just noise and stuff, and that guy doing the stupid. Uh, oh, opening. is there more wizard hand dancing? Yeah, I mean, this is like mostly Sounds him. Favorite. Yeah, so like two movies that made a lot did of money you, in the last did you four months. Cackle inappropriately, <laughs> loudly every single time that uh, Bendy Lick Cumbersnatch did his his hand dancing. Because if I ever go see Doctor Strange and the Madness Multiverse in the theaters, I will be laughing my ass off every time he does the. Bob loves it. He's dancing now, doing it. Yeah, and. Um, at home, I watched uh, on. I guess I'm gonna keep Apple TV Plus at this point. I, don't, I keep on saying I'm gonna cancel it, but here we are, five months in. Uh, there's this uh, documentary called The Big Con, and it's about this lawyer in like Kentucky. Uh, he basically specialized in social security disability claims, and he found a crooked doctor who would sign off on yeah that guy has whatever problem and a judge who will approve anything that came his way so basically they had all of the decision makers on the same page and they is basically this, is this a, a dramatization or is well, this like a documentary it's a documentary but they will do some dramatization in the documentary okay. or you know uh but basically it was like they said about half a billion dollars worth of fraud this is like one of the largest schemes ever and it's, so how was he – was he just doing the – was he getting kickbacks on all of the disability checks? Yeah, is that the, well, the plan? Yeah, he would he would get a cut of it. And uh, the ju- I don't even know how the judge – what he was doing. But he was getting a cut. Everybody was getting a little bit of cut. But the normal process for Social Security disability approvals, you know, government uh, stuff, it takes forever. Like it would take like right. six months, a year, 18 months. And he would – he would say, I can do it in a month. And so he would get all of the, the customers to come to him. They're like, shit, I don't have to wait all that long. They don't ask any questions. Anyways, eventually people figure this out. Social Security Administration worker, somebody at the office, everybody's trying to like piece it together. And once the whole thing falls apart, uh, Social Security just said the Social Security Administration just cut off any client of his. Now, some of those clients oh, wow. were actually disabled. Right. And, and and the effort that it's taking to get them back on the roll is, like, very depressing. Like, those people were just, like, in bumfuck Kentucky. They got no resources. Right. Well, they shouldn't have fucking tried to jump the line with this <laughs> scumbag who was getting shit done That's, in a month when but it's, it's supposed you, to take six months. <laughs> but he he's one of those lawyers where 
everywhere around town. There's like a big sign. And you're thinking, well, this person must be doing all right if he can afford all these billboards, right? I mean, come on, Bob. That's not what I think when I see those billboards <laughs> at all. This person's successful. One call. I can't believe that. I know that you have this month. I, I want to go back to the Marvel thing for a minute. I know you have this subscription to the movies and you have you, you sort of have to go or else you're not getting your money's worth. Right. But like... Why did you go see the Doctor Strange <laughs> so movie? Abe sees everything. You can't see everything and not see that. Right. It's entertaining enough to watch. And actually, uh, this was the movie, you know, every once in a blue moon, and it's always these comic book movies, friends will want to come with. So, like, so I'll just pay you, just include oh. me on your thing. So, like, Mike right. from the show, uh, the other podcast, and his cousin or somebody, there were, like, three of us that went to the because they wanted to see it, too. And, right. and I think they liked it. I don't know. But, like, it's entertaining enough to watch but it still was like this is not very good it's not like the Nicolas Cage movie I am a thousand percent out of the loop on whatever the Marvel it's because they did too much yeah they They did did, they did too much I think the last I'm trying to think the last one that we saw in theaters I think was the the Joss Whedon uh Avengers one in uh, that's not the last one we saw that was way longer ago I know, but I was trying to think of another one of these that I've seen in the theaters, and I don't think that I bothered after the second, after Age of Ultron. Did he do Age of Ultron? Was that Joss Whedon? I don't even want to talk about it. It's a boring thing to talk about. I saw Joss Whedon. I saw the, the Age of Ultron one in the theaters, and I think that was the last one that I saw in theaters. It just, it boggles the mind that people still care about. Uh, this fucking shit. And like in order to understand, apparently, in order to understand what's going on in this Doctor Strange movie, it's not enough to be caught up on the movies. You need to also have watched the, the WandaVision show and perhaps some other Marvel fucking TV show that's 10 episodes long. And like, just absolutely not. Right. But it's, it's absolutely totally, no chance. you don't need to know anything because with this alternate universe nonsense, they're just making shit up. That's the thing. It doesn't even matter. Right. So at the end of the movie, it's like, oh, yeah, that's a different world. Don't worry about it. But uh, for those people who are uh, wanting to see a movie in seven months, this little movie from James Cameron's coming out, they released a trailer. That's right. Avatar. <laughs> first trailer is it, out. It, it looks like a I million I don't believe bucks. it. I don't believe for a second that that movie is coming out ever. I think (laughs) this is just what our lives... Like, COVID is going to be forever, and we will always be anticipating (laughs) the next version of Avatar Avatar, that no one actually wants to see. Far be it for me to bet against James Cameron, who's obviously just... He knows knows the American movie-going public arguably better than anyone else in, in the history of the format. He's got uh, a very simple his... for- formula. Just a simple story with a, a stunning everything else. Like, everything else is... Ava- this Avatar 2 looks like it is, in fact, the same movie as Avatar 1 in terms of all of it. Like, right. it's just... We're just going to have chapter... Or we waited fucking 15 years or whatever it's been. I wouldn't say we waited. And what things. he's going yeah. to deliver is another fight between the noble local savages and the shit for brains american stand-ins i'm sure they'll be after their resources because it seems like it's a time shift because the kids are older or whatever he knows what he's doing well it's been years fucking shitty ass movie what did we watch (laughs) okay so great story we first watched the staircase the hbo dramatization hbo dramatization with colin firth and tony collette which 
I, it is impossible to have watched the documentary and not have watched the documentary, but holy shit, are we get different, getting different viewing experiences if you've seen it and if you've not seen it. Yeah. Because, like, oh, my God, there's so much. I- but, like, it's just I love that I've seen it and I love that I have my dramatic irony, but I'm not getting any of the, like, Oh, but what happened? But what? Oh, I like, see. Yeah, you know what's it's gonna. Just yeah, fun. Is it? It's great. That's what we did Thursday. It's not. First of all, it's fine. How many episodes in total will there be? Eight. I don't know. I They've released eight. three so far. Released so three, I saw, uh, yeah, I think there I saw the three, first and then episode. It's just one a but, week yeah. from now on. I want to okay. say first of all, uh, Colin Firth's impersonation and his performance so far, fucking spot on. The uh, the accent is. It's fucking uncanny. It's like it's, it's the same so voice. Weird. It's very strange. And his mannerisms and the are good. the lawyer. The dude lawyer. Yeah, the guy playing I'm like the DA mixed, I'm confused because I think that I'm watching the lawyer from the documentary. Yeah. yeah. And and what's your name playing the, the awful... Parker Posey. Parker Posey playing the assistant DA is also very good. If a, a bit more of a sort of slumming it in the costume kind of feel to it then almost almost like she belongs in the the uh people versus oj the, yeah the people versus oj <laughs> version of this story rather than the prestige tv on hbo version of the story uh yeah there's a little bit of that going on also it's just like it's so much messier like it's supposed to be like it and it just feels like fucking television and that's yeah. fine yeah. uh but it's it's just what if we just injected all of this with much more melodrama and awful yeah, but that's, TV nonsense? They did nonsense. that in Apollo 13, too. Like, that's what fictionalizations are. Yeah, but, uh, but Apollo 13 was fucking about something. And th- what, what is this about? But, oh, whatever. I think it's Some about bird? a murder, potentially. Yes, the, 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 <laughs> so far the great redeeming quality of the show, as far as the, I'm concerned, is that I believe in two out of three, if not all three of the first episodes of the of the series... There is an angry raptor screeching somewhere off screen at, at and various points. And there's something in the attic. And there's she keeps she keeps looking up into the trees. We don't get a glance of anything, but there's an angry raptor up there, and I appreciate oh, I appreciate that. Job. So we watched that Thursday, then we watched that Friday, and then on Friday we also watched Hollow Man. That's right. Hollow because Man. Bob wanted to make sure it wasn't actually good. So I looked. I was looking on. I guess <laughs> Is it was that HBO. The one with Kevin Bacon. No, that was Netflix. Uh, Kevin Netflix. Bacon, yeah, with Kevin Bacon. Invisible. So I saw this movie in the movie theaters back in 2000 or 2001, whenever it came out. And I think, I think I wrote a review for it in the school paper, but it I could be wrong about that. It was very bad back then. It was bad. He was uh, but less I saw, honorable, right? He behaved less honorably in. Yes. yes. Wouldn't be much of a movie if it was just about a successful science experiment where the the lead the lead scientist tests his experimental invisible drug on himself and succeeds and then does, uh, does nothing. Yeah. Doesn't rape anyone. Doesn't rape anybody. What would be the point of that? It's a Paul Verhoeven movie, which I didn't like I'm sure that 17, 18 year old me must have either glossed over the fact that it was Verhoeven or at that point didn't fully appreciate uh, Paul Verhoeven. But Paul Verhoeven, uh, the director of Total Recall and RoboCop and uh, Starship Troopers. These are other, like, kind of bad movies that you're naming. But highly satirical movies that have a point of view and a point to make. 
and that, that are largely and often misunderstood by the viewing public. And I wondered, I was looking at it and I was like, wait, Verhoeven did this? I, I, like uh, the same Paul Verhoeven? Did I miss something? I right. think yeah. is what the you The question said. was, did I miss something right. the first time around? Was this secretly like this subversive satirical thing? And the answer no. is no. no. It's just a it's, bad movie. Uh, it's so bad. And it is so unnecessarily, like, horny. Like, it's one thing yeah. for Kevin Bacon to be a creep. First of all, hard disagree. Uh, it has <laughs> it has the correct number of breasts, which is more than none. Which, after watching every other highly sanitized piece of shit movie for the last ten years, it's refreshing to see, like... Oh, this is just some fucking Cinemax bullshit. Right. Is what's happening on it's the screen weird. right now. It was. It's weird how it. It's the um, that it's unnecessary, not that it's inappropriate. Right. And I don't want to confuse the two. First of all, there's also a good bit of like floppy wiener in it, so it's not like oh, it, okay. it, it, it. It goes both also ways. Also unnecessary. Also, Kevin Bacon's bare ass, which this but was it's like invisible, so th- it's fine. Well, no, we see his bare ass. Yeah, uh, but then it this goes is the, away. This is Kevin Bacon went like through a, a period of time in the late '90s and early 2000s where he was just naked on in R-rated movies. He really? Was that. Like he did? Is he did it in Wild Things? I think we saw his dick in there Wild was Things. That one where he was also rapey with the boys, sleepers, sleep, sleep. Yeah. What was that movie called? Anyway, this movie made like 200 million fucking dollars wow. or something. By the way, this is a rated R piece what? of shit action movie that was sleepers. just bad. I'm right. He raped a bunch of kids in sleepers. And it made like 180 million dollars in theaters or something like that. Wow. Anyway, it was bad. Yeah, um, bad movie. And then we watched more of the thing, and then more of the pirate show, which was fun. Oh, yeah, nice. Our flag and means death is fun. Then fine. we watched a bunch of Wall Street Journal eight-minute-long YouTube videos about how different corporations work, like Costco and Sephora. Yeah. Nice. We also watched with the kids. Uh, we're slowly completing the Star Wars Skywalker uh, saga, saga, and so we showed the kids episode eight for the first time. Which and is Calvin cried. The Last Jedi, uh, the Ryan Johnson movie, and I I love Star Wars. I you will not extract from me like Star Wars is just it's way too big a part of my childhood and my personality. And though I fell in love with movies at the exact right time for Star Wars, and I. Whatever the the original trilogy four five and six are not not beyond reproach. I am not a person who allows things that I love to exist beyond reproach. My wife, my children, my favorite movies. Very critical person right. is what I am. It's no getting around it. My level of disappointment with the recent Star Wars trilogy. That that just completed a couple of years ago. Like it just can't be overstated. And I and every time that I see the movies again, because we watched seven, because the kids hadn't seen seven in a couple of years, so we reminded them of it on on Friday evening with seven, and then we watched eight on Saturday. And as entertaining and fun as the Force Awakens is, it was it was fun when I walked out of the theater. I wasn't mad at it. And then every time I've seen it since, I get increasingly mad at it. Based on the choices that they, they were making. By the way, are the kids, is their reaction to the movies different based on the, the newer ones versus the old ones? Or are they like them all? 
Calvin, Calvin likes them all. Calvin didn't like this seventh one. Wait, seven, no, eight, no. eight, episode eight His... as much because there was too much space stuff and okay. not as much planet-based stuff. Right, okay. but his criticism is not about, like, anything particular. It's... Right. He also cried when right. Luke Skywalker right. goes I, away. And, and this is this is what I'm, I'm trying to express here, which is that... So seven is just a... It's an obvious remake of A New Hope. And the more times you see it, like once once it is clear to you, there's just no getting around it. They just made episode four again, but with different characters. And it's, It was great. And it, it is not that great. And it is like, it's laughably dumb when it's like, what if a Death Star, but fucking bigger? And, and and like we already did that. We did it when when six when they rebuilt the Death Star and it was fucking bigger and badder and worse. And now fucking twenty five years later, this is the best that we can come up with. <laughs> is what if a Death Star but bigger? Yeah. And that's your fucking. It's the same fucking whatever. It's, it's a char. It's a charming movie. It has its it has its fun parts, but largely I I I'm increasingly disappointed with it. And eight is even worse. And I'm. I'm it would be helpful for me. It, what are the names? Because I don't know them by number. Sorry. Force Awakens is okay. seven. Okay. And then The Last Jedi is eight. Okay. Gotcha. And eight, eight is the one that was directed by Ryan, written and directed by Ryan Johnson. And this is a guy who I actually have a lot of respect for because of uh, I enjoyed his work on, on Breaking Bad. I liked the movies, both Knives Out. And uh, the Bruce Willis time travel movie, uh, Looper, great movie. And I was very excited about Ryan Johnson getting a chance to to make a Star Wars movie. And he gets one thing exactly right, and the rest of the movie is just fucking pure trash. And the thing that he gets right is the most important part of the movie, to be fair, which is he takes and concludes essentially Luke Skywalker's arc as – as beautifully as I think it could have been. I know, sure, there are a million different ways, for an infinite number of possibilities for how such a thing could happen. But his vision for Luke Skywalker, I think, was fantastic. And uh, spoiler here at the end, but Luke's final stand against the dark side is just it's wonderful, and it's everything that like it's Luke Skywalker doing Luke Skywalker shit, and it fulfills everything that I ever wanted Luke Skywalker to to be when I was my son's age, thirty fucking years ago. It's great. The rest of the movie is a total piece of shit, and it and 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 the the ultimate unforgivable sin, which I'll I'll never be able to fully wrap my head around, is that at the end of this movie we've spent the entire movie with the bulk of our protagonists running away from the bad guys just out of range of their powerful guns, right? So they have a a lighter and more maneuverable ship so they're able to stay just out of range of the bad guys. And this is like, this is the whole fucking movie for like two hours is that, right? And then at the end, they've unloaded everybody onto the transport ships to get them into the secret base that the bad guys don't know about and they're going to sneak them off into the the base planet there while the, the big ship just stays there and they start to attack... And then in the last moment, the, the, the general turns the ship around and does a light speed shot, like jumps the ship into light speed, 
through the big bad guy's ship, right? And it explodes in this big fury, and it completely upends everything that's come before in the previous eight fucking movies. Nothing fucking matters if you can take a ship and ram it at right. light speed through anything in the galaxy. Like, like you've now broken the entire fucking series. We didn't need Luke Skywalker to make the run through the Death Star trench to hit the perfect shot into the little uh, two-meter hole so that the Death the Death Star fucking explodes, and then for the same thing to happen in six, like that's completely unnecessary right. because you can just take an unmanned drone and shoot it at light speed through anything, and the fucking ship explodes. You've you've utterly removed the stakes from everything forever, and it's completely unfucking forgivable. Right. I, I'm surprised that that constantly happens. Like uh, I forget the example, so I'm not gonna give it. Uh, but I remember. In one of the last Terminators, they did something that kind of undermined past Terminator movies. And I always wonder, like, is there not like a continuity person or somebody like, well, that's kind of a load-bearing pillar of past stories. If you take that out, the whole thing falls up. Like, nobody considers these things. It's like, but it looks cool. Or what? I don't know, whatever justification they have for including it. But it's like, that's a big thing to do because it'll undermine the big point we made earlier or whomever else made the point earlier. Uh, and what really pisses me off about it is that the the theme of the movie, the, the, the sort of thesis of The Last Jedi, is that we don't need our heroes, right? This Ky- Kylo Ren is saying, kill the past. We don't fucking need it anymore. We can move on. And the, and it, it, it's the, the, the idea of the character, Rey, is that her parents were nobodies, and, and you can just become who you need to become based on who you are and not based on some reverence for the past. And so thematically, it's like when he takes that fucking ship and he shoots it at light speed through the other one and it explodes she? the whole thing. No, Johnson. I'm referring to oh. the, when, when the direct, the person, not the, yes, the general is a woman. She has purple hair because that's what we do now. She's that's also fine. Laura Dern who sucks. Yeah, she also sucks. But it is it is of a piece thematically with the under with 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 the theme of the movie, and it that's what really pisses me off is that it's like he's saying out loud everything that you've cared about up till now. Fuck you. Right. you it, 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 this shouldn't matter, and you're being a baby if you think it fucking matters. By the way, isn't like, right. No. A Palpatine or like right, and then and then because Disney's just a fucking piece of shit corporation, <laughs> they then go they turn around and pretend like everything that happened or mattered in Episode Eight. Uh, actually, we were just kidding because it turns out uh, Ray is someone. Yeah, uh, her parentage matters more than anything else in the entire fucking story. <laughs> actually. Anyway, I've loved I've loved a lot of. Not a lot, but I thought that the the Rogue One movie was a very good Star Wars movie. I have a soft spot for the Solo movie, which I think could have been great, but it ended up being just okay. And I'm just largely just, I'm just so disappointed with what's happened. And I would be fine if Disney decided now to retcon the entire fucking thing. I like them. I think they're fine. I think that they're fine too, but weirdly they've made me appreciate the the prequel trilogy more like for all of the, the unwatchable for unwatchable of, are the movies you're talking yes, about for all of the failures of of lucas when it comes to the the writing in that prequel trilogy at least they're about something at least there's a fucking story there that he spent his whole life thinking about and at least they fucking cohere and at least it's not just somebody uh fucking cosplaying star wars which is what the the 
seven, eight, and nine ended up being. So these newer ones, which are super derivative and stupid, it's they're not for the audience that they already had right. because they the, already have that audience. Right. You need a new one. A new one. I'm yeah. fine. I'm fine with notions of like fucking killing your heroes. I just want. I want to be. I, I want it all to fucking cohere, and I want it to make sense, and I want them to show some fucking. I don't know. They. They. That's not what life is like, though. It doesn't do that. Sure, I'm. I'm allowed to fucking be disappointed right. with what Disney has done with the Star of Wars. Of course, movies. you are, and they're allowed to make things that don't make sense. My, my favorite part of Star Wars, the music and the action sequence. When they start talking, it's like, all right, let's get to the music. Yeah. Are you. Uh, you got anything else for us tonight, Abe? Nope. I guess that's all we've got for tonight, then. We will talk to you next time. Later. Regularly scheduled closing credits to bring you from 1966, Webb Pierce with his hit, You Ain't No Better Than Me. Why do you stutter around town just to put me down when you ain't no better than me? You stay on the run just to wagging your tongue, but you ain't no better than me. You ought to be. Established. <laughs>